We're going to be back in Hebrews 11 this morning, so if you would like to turn there, we'll be there most of the time. But let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer before we get started. Father, we thank you now that we can and, in fact, do live in your presence, that you are here uh, desiring to fellowship with us. Lord Jesus, you paid an awesome price so that the veil could be rent and we could come into your very presence, that we could fellowship with you. So, Father, we just come to you this morning as, as needy children to their father, and we say, Lord, teach us. Lord, help us to be, uh, give us better understanding about this tremendous gift of faith that you have given us. Help us to understand how to walk in faith. Help us to understand how it impacts, should impact our lives. Lord, open our eyes that we can see through the life of Abraham this morning, uh, a faith that honored you and give us hearts that long for, for that type of faith. We just commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Hebrews 11. The scripture identifies several things for us that it says are indispensable in our lives. Touched on this a little bit last week. John 15, 5 says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him brings forth much fruit, and then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from living in an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, we can do nothing of spiritual significance because everything that we do is, is rooted and grounded in him. 1 Corinthians 13 says, if I, do not, uh, if I do not have love, I am nothing. If we do our works, our good works, but it's not motivated by love, Scripture says it, it, it accomplishes nothing. And then last week we saw in Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it is impossible to please him. Okay? Doesn't say you just got to try harder. You've got to augment your faith with your strength and your good works and your wisdom. He says apart from from faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, we need to anticipate, and I'm sure we can, that as Christians, our greatest desire in life is to live a life that's pleasing to him. That's our goal. That's, that's what, we're, what we're working for. So if our lives are going to be pleasing to him, then we need to understand as much as we can about this gift of faith that he has given us and learn how to walk in faith and how to live by faith. If there's anyone who lived by faith in the Scripture, it was Abraham. So this morning we're going to be looking at his life and um, see how he exemplifies living by faith. Faith um, originates from God. Faith is a gift of God. It's given to us at the time that... Um, that we're saved, that we're redeemed. And, but then he tells us throughout the word that it's our responsibility to work with that and to build up our faith, okay? Uh, Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, Walk in him 
having been firmly rooted and now built up in him and established in your faith. And that word established can be, can be uh, translated confirmed. It can be translated strengthened. So as we walk, God's will is that our strength will be established. Our, our faith will be established. It will be built up. Now, we have many opportunities in life to, uh, to strengthen our faith, to exercise our faith. There are opportunities that come to us that take a step of faith to, to take advantage of, right? There are challenges and choices that we face. And when we face these things, we go to one or two ways. We either respond in our own flesh, in our own wisdom, in our own understanding, and normally we wind up in trouble, right? That's what happens to me. Or as I seek to walk in faith, as I seek to walk in obedience to him, when these opportunities, these challenges come up, I have an option to respond by faith in his promises that he has made to me. Okay. So we, we have this choice, call it a why in the road, if you will. When we faced with these challenges, we either are going to respond on our own, or if we, are, if we have a good understanding of, of faith and the way God wants us to walk by faith, then we will make that response, we'll make that direct, take that direction, and we will be pleasing to him. So faith is something that's implanted in us once and for all as believers, but then it's a choice that we continually make all through our lives every day. Will we walk in obedience? And very often, it's much easier to walk by sight because obedience, in many times, you don't really understand where you're going to go, where you're going. There are times when God asks us to make decisions uh, to go in a certain direction, and, and we can't see past the nose on our face, right? And we're going to see that's what happened to Abraham. But we're going to come back to the fact over and over and over that Assurance comes from making our decisions based on the word of God, the will of God. And as we take that route, our, our lives are going uh, to be enriched and we're going to live for the honor and glory of God. Faith is indispensable ingredient in a life that honors God. Last week we talked about the fact that, that basically faith has two characteristics. Um, Hebrews 11, 1, sometimes we want to make that, a definition of faith, but really it's not. It's more pointing out some of the characteristics of a saving faith. He says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So first off, it says the first ingredient in faith is that faith is assurance Okay. Assurance is an unshakable certainty based on the promises of God. That's what we talked about last week. The assurance that we have, or the faith that we have, starts out is based on assurance in the promises of God. That is unshakable. That is a firm, solid rock foundation to build on. So faith is the assurance of God, is assurance of the things hoped for, and it's conviction 
of the things not seen. And that word conviction, the word that's translated there, implies a response or an outward manifestation. Okay? We, we, we have a challenge say we need to respond by faith. We call on our knowledge of God's promises, what he has promised to do for us. Okay? This is the assurance that we build on. That assurance molds our lives and motivates our lives to step out in faith based on the conviction that we have from God's word. Faith is a, is a moving thing. Okay? Biblical faith, as we defined it last week, was the outworking of our convictions that are based on the assurance we have from and in the promises of God. Okay? Faith is the outworking of our convictions that are based on the assurance we have from and in the promises of God. Biblical faith has really three components when it relates to the object of our faith. All right. First off, there is a knowledge of that object of our faith. We have to know what we're placing our faith in. As believers, our faith is placed in God. We need to know him. We need to understand his attributes. We need to understand his promises. So building a life of faith starts by knowing the object of our faith, by knowing God. The second ingredient is a trust in that person or that thing. Okay? There is, and that's where the conviction comes in. We have the knowledge, and based on that, we can make a decision, we can move, we can trust based on that knowledge, right? But then, to be truly saving faith, there's one other element involved. There must be a knowledge of, a trust in, but there has to be an absolute dependence on. Jesus says, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. If we try to build our faith based on anything other than total, complete dependence on God and what he has done, his promises, we're going to have problems. So we need to keep these things in mind as, as we look at faith. Anytime you study a passage of Scripture, one of the important questions that you ask yourself as you get into it is what what's repeated here is there a, is there a theme is there a concept is there a word that is repeated over and over okay well when you get to to um hebrews 11 it stands out like so a thumb doesn't it because 11 times in these few uh verse excuse me 19 times in these verses god says by faith by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith. Okay? So, you know, you, you can't hardly miss the point that he's making. People responded to challenges in, in Hebrews 11 by faith. They made plans for their lives <coughs> by faith. They interpreted what God wanted them to do by faith. And that's a challenge and an opportunity that we face every day. Okay. A life built on faith. By faith, Abel 
offered a better sacrifice and illustrated the worship of faith. By faith, Enoch was pleasing to God and demonstrated the walk of faith. Noah, as we saw last week, did all that God commanded and exemplified the obedience of faith. And now this week we want to look at Abraham. When called, he obeyed and received the promises. Okay. So we're going to start in, in um, Hebrews 11, verse 8. Rather than reading the whole passage, I'm just going to read these verses as we come to them. And we'll talk about them a little bit. The first thing we want to see is that Abraham responded to God's call. Verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Okay. Abraham was called from God, apparently prior to this time. He, he may well not have even known who God was. Uh, MacArthur, there's a quote there from him. He said, Abraham was a sinful heathen who grew up in an unbelieving and idolatrous society. Isaiah reminds his fellow Jews that God's sovereignty condescended to call Abraham out of paganism and idolatry in order to bless him and the world through him. You know, God, when he wants to do something, he starts by choosing a man or choosing a woman that he's going to work through. Okay, and that's what we see in the life of Abraham. He wasn't qualified. He wasn't, um, hadn't been in Sunday school every day all of his life. He was living in a gross pagan society. But God called him because it was not so much what Abraham had within himself, but what God knew he wanted to do in Abraham's life. It was that sovereignty. So it says, first off, it says that he called. When God spoke, um, he listened. Abraham listened. It was totally a work of grace. It was not something that Abraham had, had prepared for or had, had a strength that he had in himself, but it was God's sovereign, effectual call on his life. He pulled him out. An effectual call, uh, Spurgeon says, the, it's the effectual call is the predestined moment when it comes, they shall obey. For God will have his own. They must, for the spirit is not to be withstood. When he comes forth with boldness of power, they must become willing servants of the living God. Isn't that awesome? When God speaks, when God calls a man, when God calls a woman, that effectual call goes forth. And there's no fighting, there's no, you know, drop, uh, Abraham dropped it all. And he came. He called and then scripture said he obeyed. He obeyed to go out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. Now here's an ungodly man called by a God that at this point he probably didn't know much about to go to a place where he didn't know where he was going. But he responded because of God's call on his life. They, MacArthur again, and, and I told you last week and I'll remind you today, MacArthur's my social on this, okay? So if you hear me say something that you've heard before, 
MacArthur, okay? I take no credit for it. It's all his. If I make a mistake, it's mine. It's, okay, it's not his. He obeyed. The translation says when, when he was being called, as soon as he understood what God was saying, he started to pack. That's what MacArthur says. This, this, this word that's translated obeyed is saying that as he was being called, as he realized this call, as it was coming upon him, as it was drawing him out, he started obeying instantly. He started obeying. He started preparing. He bought his luggage. He was ready to go type thing. Okay. That's faith. And it says he went out when God promised he trusted. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Okay. Today, if you and I have to make a move, maybe across country or maybe close by, whatever, we can do it with a certain amount of security, can't we? We could go to... to um, Start to say Utah, but there's not much security in Utah. I don't know where that. I don't know why that came into my mind. <laughs> Michigan, okay. We God calls us to go to Michigan. Well, you know the laws are pretty much the same there as they are here. We can be assured of protection. We can pretty well be assured there's going to be a Walmart on every corner, you know. And so we can move without a whole lot of of of, of danger. But back then, when you left your home. You were leaving the security of your family, your job. You didn't know what was going to meet you on the other end. Very often, it would be um, a dangerous situation, okay? But God's call was on him, okay? God's sovereign, effectual call was on him, and he was ready to go. Do you, have you made, I'm sure you have, everybody has, made a decision and you go and you do something, and then a week or a month later, you look back and you think, wow, how did I have the faith to do that? You ever do that? Man, if I had to do that again, I don't know that I would, even though if it was a good situation, you know. I can think when, not to be the same thing, but when God moved me from South Carolina out here, and, and I, I didn't know where I was going. I was going to a strange land, for sure, in Texas. But, um, you know, I look back and I think, well, how did I have the faith? I've lived there for 35 years. How did I have the faith to leave my family, do all this kind of stuff? Because I'm, I'm not a very adventuresome person. But it was God's call. It was God's will. And we need to understand that, and we need to, to be willing to trust that. You know, It doesn't mean we've got to move across country. It may just be to make a decision that involves the next thing that we do tomorrow in our job. So, we see that Abraham responded to the call of God, but then we see that Abraham lived as an alien in the land of promise. Verses 9 and 10. It says, By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which had foundations, an architect and builder, whose architect and builder is God. Okay. Now, Abraham had been given a promise of a promised land. Okay. In Genesis 12, uh, God says, Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I show you. To your descendants I will give this land. So Abraham went forth with a promise, and by every human expectation, he had a right to expect um, a city, a country that was his, right? And he did go forth, but when he got there, we know from, from our perspective that it was for hundreds of years that, that the Israelites lived in, in tents and lived a nomadic experience and lifestyle before God actually turned the land over to them, okay? So they lived as an alien and a foreigner in, uh, in the very land that God had promised to them. They lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob, that second and third generations, as fellow heirs of the same promise. They were never to possess this land but by faith. But they were living a promise. They were pilgrims in a foreign land. Okay. They were pilgrims in a foreign land. They were there, but they, they really didn't belong there. That's not where their world was. Uh, you know, I would like to think, as a Christian, as a believer, that I lived somewhat as a pilgrim in a foreign land, but I'm afraid if the truth, if I knew the truth, I'm probably a lot more ingrained with this world than, than what I need to be. But I think that's God's will for us. You know, we're supposed to be in the world. We're supposed to be his... Um, his, his, not a good morning for words. We're to be his servants, okay? But we're not to be of the world. And I think God kept Abraham uh, aside from the world just by keeping them. Well, a good example would be with Lot. When Lot moved into the cities, he was exposed to a lot more worldliness and became a lot more worldly than Abraham who was living in the tents. But even though this was a promise of God, that would eventually be fulfilled. There was a time when God wanted uh, Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob to live as aliens in this land. Okay. There's a, a song that I love. I'm not going to sing it to you, so don't panic and run, okay? But you, you know the verses probably. But it says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend but you. If heaven's not my home, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I just pray that that would be my take on life that I wouldn't settle down here to the comforts and to the, the pleasures of this world, but that I can live realizing that I am to live as an alien here. You see, it's, and it's, it's, he was to live as an alien not because he had lost hope or God hadn't delivered on what he was going to, had promised, but he lived as an alien because he needed to see beyond this time to where the true hope was. 
says, the, the faith that fueled Abraham's hope was in the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise, which was heaven. By faith, he looked past his transient nomadic life and saw the city which has foundations, which architect and builder are God. So Abraham was able to live by faith. He was well able to live as an alien where he was because he looked past that to the joy of the final redemption, the final provision that God would make. Hebrews 12, 2 um, says, For the joy set before him, talking about Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross because he could look beyond that to the glory that was going to be his. I think that's what Abraham is saying. He lived as alien in a promised land because by faith he could see what God had promised to him out there in the future. We have a tendency to see this life is, is what it's all about. What, what, what's the, the, the 70, 80 years, whatever God gives us here, is the important thing. This is, this is where we're to live. This is, the, this is the important time in our whole existence. But when we, from, from eternity, we look back on this time, it's going to be nothing. You know? So for this period of time, we need to make that choice that by faith, we're going to live as aliens in this land. You know, we're not going to be sucked into the, to the worldliness and to all that, that this world has to offer. It looks like pretty baubles to us right now, but it's not worth having. It's not worth having at all. We have to live by faith, and that faith starts and is built on the assurance that we have and God's promises for us. Promises that we will see fulfilled today. And many promises that we're going to see filled out, fulfilled out in the future. But again, just by way of review, assurance based on God's promises develops conviction which supports unreserved dependence. And that's what we're calling true biblical faith. We need to live our lives in unreserved dependence on what God has for us. Whether it seems good to us right now or whether it doesn't. But the only way we can do that is to understand that our lives are built on his promises. His promises that will never fail us. And then as that takes hold of our lives, as our lives are molded based on his promises, we'll have the conviction to make the decisions that we need to make and to live the way he wants us to live. If I know that there is a home awaiting me out there, that perfect home, that, that glory, I can put up with a whole lot of stuff in this world and I can do without a whole lot of stuff in this world that I may consider necessity if I don't look beyond to what's coming in the future. 
then in verses 11 and 12, we see that Abraham experienced the power of faith. Verse 11 says, By faith even Sarah went, um, herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time in life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even to one man and him as good as dead at that as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand by the seashore. Now, we know the, the story of, of Sarah and Abraham. You know, the record is that at 90 years of age, Sarah had never been able to conceive. Okay? Her attempt to give Abraham a child by her maid proved to be a, a gross mistake. The results have plagued not only the Jewish nation, but all of the world and will to the end of time, won't it? Because that's where our... Our brothers come from our brothers. Our, our our people come from, and there's been that constant conflict, okay, that constant conflict. But she was trying to fulfill God's promise, but in her own in her own self, right? When when man, what man's efforts could not do faith that grew out of assurance and dependence on God's promises did. See, God had given Abraham the covenant promise that he would give him an heir. Okay? That he would build from that heir a mighty nation. Okay? And so, instead of going back to the promises of God and believing those, regardless of how the timetable was running, she took matters in her own hands. Okay. Now, MacArthur brings out an interesting thing here in verse 11. It says, by faith, even Sarah herself received the ability. He said that the word her or herself is not there in the, the original. That was added to make it read a little bit easier. But basically, it's saying that by faith, even Sarah receive the ability to conceive. And MacArthur's pretty sure that that faith was not hers, but it was Abraham's. Okay? You know, she had shown uh, a lack of faith in God. She had questioned whether God would follow through. She laughed when she was told that she would, would have a child. So I don't know. That's not something to build a, build a theology on. But it was, it was a promise that was given to Abraham that he would have the seed, that he would have the nation. You know, the, the, the surety and the strength of the promise of even of the faith is, is never in us. It's in God. You know, the, the, it's the, the object of our faith. The, the strength is in the object of our faith, not how much faith we have. You know the old illustration. You know, you can... Have a little faith and strong ice. Let me make sure I get this right, huh? You can have little faith and strong ice and be safe. You have a whole lot of faith and thin ice and drown. You know? So the, the, the strength of our faith is not is in this is in the object of that faith. Okay. 
Abraham was not a strong man, but he had a strong God. And his faith was in God, and that's the strength. That, that's where his strength came from. Faith is powerful. Faith sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, touches the intangible, and accomplishes the impossible. I think God loves to, to work in the impossible areas of our lives. Don't you think? You know, when we do what we can do, when we feel like we just can't go any further, that's when, like, God likes to step in. Okay? Because when that happens, then he receives all the glory. Okay? He receives all the glory. You remember Elijah when he was confronting the prophets of Baal and uh, he told the prophets to bring their sacrifices and to build an altar, you remember, and to offer to their God, and they did. Then when it came Elijah's time, he, sa he said, build the altar, put the animal sacrifices on it, and you remember what he told him to do? Deluge it with water. You know, just pour water all over it. He wanted to make it almost as impossible to catch fire as it could be so that they would know that this had come from God. If it wasn't trickery, that this is something that God had done. And so often in our lives, we just, we want the easy way out. And when things don't work the way we want, we want to bail out or we want to have our own Ishmael. But that's where God steps in. That's where God steps in. Um, hadn't planned to do this, but I'll tell you, give you a little short personal testimony in that area. Jane and I were, um, were married for four years, and we had, didn't have any children. And um, they, um, Jane had had, when she was a teenager, had had some, some medical problems, that, and we knew there was a good chance that we could not have children. But we were believing God, praying for God, God. And we, um, four years into our marriage, we went to a doctor. And the doctor said, well, this, there's a new procedure that has just come out. And um, it may work for you. We don't know. It's a medical, uh, a surgical procedure. So we talked about it. And we wanted a child so bad. I said, okay, this is, this is the way we'll go. And so we lined up the hospital, we lined up the doctor. We'd even been assigned a, a room number. Everything was set to go. And th that morning, the morning before, I was having my quiet time. And now you understand when I said, God spoke to me through the word. I didn't hear anything audible, okay? God speaks through his word. But I was reading about um, Sarah and, and, uh, and Abraham and Ishmael. And, you know, it's just like the Lord just spoke to my heart. And he said, you know, Joe, you're at the end of your ropes as far as all you can do to have a child. And you're thinking about this surgery. But do you want 
to take matters in your own hands and have the possibility of having an Ishmael or do you want to leave it in my hands for a possible Isaac? Are you willing to trust me to either withhold a son, and we didn't know it was going to be a son at that point, or a daughter, or to give you one in my timing, what's it going to be? Well, by God's grace, he gave us the grace to just drop that surgery. Just to drop it. The next month, we found out that Michael was on the way. And I share that just because, you know, sometimes God allows us to go to the point where we feel we just can't take another step. We feel like our faith is not strong enough. It's probably not. (laughs) But when we come back, to his faith based on his word. I can't overstress that. The foundation of our faith is the word of God, the promises of God. If it's built on the show, if our assurance is built on anything else, it's going to fall. It's going to, we're going to be disappointed. Yeah. But Abraham saw, I'm like Dan now, I don't know where I am in my, my notes. Abraham experienced the power of faith. She had not been able to conceive. But even though she tried and Ishmael was born, um, he saw God rule and overrule in the birth of Isaac. And so he, he fulfilled his promise to them. And uh, God, Abraham had a chance to see God's power at work. Then in verse 13, it says, uh, By faith, Abraham saw fulfillment through the vision of faith. Verse 13, it says, All of these died, how? Without receiving the promises, but having seen them, and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It says, these died in faith without receiving the promises. But far from being a lament, however, this statement is a positive declaration that these men died in perfect hope and assurance of fulfillment. For the person of faith, God's promises is as good as his reality. See, it says they died, in verse 13, without receiving the promises. Some of these promises were not fulfilled in their lifetime. But look at what it says. They saw them and welcomed them from a distance. You know, God's promise is sure whether we see the fulfillment of that or not. 
whether we understand the fulfillment of that or not. Whatever price they had to pay, whatever time they had to wait, was worth it in order to inherit the better country that God had prepared for them. See, they had an opportunity. They, 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 they went into the promised land. It was not as they expected. They're living in tents. They're living as nomads. And yet they have that firm conviction, the faith that what God has promised, he will provide. Okay? So, in, um, what have we got? in verse 16, um, says they, the, okay, back up, I'm sorry, 13. By, even though they died in faith without receiving the promises, they saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Okay? And to them, that was just as sure as if it had been accomplished in their lives. Okay. There's a vision of faith that allows us to see beyond the tangible. And that's what they had. They were willing to pay whatever price it took for that promise to be fulfilled in their lives. Price as far as their homeland, price as far as the time that they had um, that they had to wait for it. So often, as impatient human beings, and I'm impatient, maybe you all are not, but we just come to the end of our patience and we're willing to take second best. We're willing to try to short circuit things so that we can go ahead and get what we want without waiting for God's perfect time. These people were able to look beyond that. Okay, beyond what they could see and trust God by faith. And I think one of the most, most rewarding to me this week as I studied this was the last point. Abraham offered up the proof of faith. 17 through 19 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and his um and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, "In Isaac uh, shall be your, in Isaac your descendants shall be called." He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. I think to me this was probably one of the. maybe you could say, worst test that God asked of anybody in Scripture to take the son that you love and to offer him up. It's, 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 it's hard when we have to see a child suffer. We have to see a child die. But the thought of taking your own child's life, I can't imagine anything worse. The Lord tested Abraham. He said, take now your only son who you love. Offer him as a burnt offering. Abraham arose and went to the place which God told him. Isaac asked him, my father, where is the lamb? And by faith God said, 
God, faith, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. And you know, Scripture tells us that, that Isaac, that Abraham saddled his horse, his donkey, whatever it was, took a couple of men with him. They had a three-day journey from where they were to where he was to offer it. If it had been me, I think I would have backed out about 110 times on that three days. But he had to keep going. He had to believe. He had to trust God. How do you get that kind of faith? How do you get that kind of faith? I had never seen this until this week. In um, verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and what? He who had received the promises. See, that's where his faith came from. He had been promised that he would be given a son. And through that son, the nation would come. Through that son, God's blessing on the nation of Israel would come. So he was so sure of God's fulfillment of that promise that he could trust every detail of its fulfillment to God. He believed, I believe, he believed that even if he killed Isaac, that he would still fulfill his promise to Abraham. Now, how he could do that, I don't know. But you know what? That's none of our business. God gives us a promise. We respond. We build our lives on it. We trust him. How he brings that promise about is none of our business. Sometimes it may not be the way we want it to be. Very often it's not. I can't say very often. Sometimes it's not. But I believe that Abraham was able to display that faith because he had received the promises. The promises are what he built his assurance on. The assurance that he had molded his life to where he had a conviction, a trust in God, that no matter, even if he couldn't understand, he could still trust God to do what he said he was going to do. And that assurance and conviction, along with the, Abraham's total dependence on God, I believe was the faith that he needed, brought the faith that he needed to be able to trust and to honor God. It all comes back to realizing that faith is built on our assurance in the Word of God. Now, if we're not in the Word of God, what's going to be the source of our faith? You know, if we get lazy like I do sometimes, if we're not in the Word, if we don't know the Word, if we're not walking by faith and building an experience of seeing God work in our lives as we yield to him in faith, we're going to come up short. But it, it's, again, it's, it's a flow. Assurance, conviction, dependence, and we can honor God with our faith.
with the faith that he gives us. If we try to short-circuit that anywhere along the way, we're going to be in trouble. If we try to build convictions that are not on the Word of God, we're going to fall. If we have assurance and we, want, and we have conviction, but we don't trust God fully to work it out in full dependence on Him and His time and His way, we're going to falter. So it's a flow. But it's all of Him. God is able to make all grace abound to us, that always having all sufficiency in everything, we may have an abundance for every good work. That's His promise to us. And we can build our lives on it. Give us to pray and then we'll leave. Father, we thank you so much now for this awesome gift of faith that you have given us. And God, thank you that as we exercise and as we, uh, as we exercise this faith in our daily walk, you strengthen us, you give us the ability to, to make wise decisions based on your word. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of faith. Thank you for the way that you um, strengthen our faith and build up our faith. God, I just pray for each one of us now that we will be sh so faithful to start with step one and know your promises, know, uh, have assurance in our lives that are, that are built on, uh, on your word and on your promises to us. That's the firm foundation. That's where it all starts. You know, God, so often we just, we falter there. We get busy. We get uh, involved in other things and we don't spend the time with your word like we should. Pray that you'll bring each one of us to the point of, of being obedient in there and being o obedient even as Abraham was who received the promises because he believed even the faith that you gave him. Thank you now for this time in your word. We give you the praise for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.